0: Welcome to the Anti-Architect Podcast. I am your host, Christian Giordano. As president and owner of the design firm Mancini Duffy, I am driven by a quest for learning and radically changing the industry. With this podcast, I'm hoping to improve the industry that I'm so passionate about by taking a critical look at how architects work through a variety of voices and shared experiences. Hello, Anti-Architect Podcast listeners. I'm excited to have Katherine Liedersdorf. Did I say that right? Liedersdorf, right close. I'm excited to have Katherine Liedersdorf, CEO of Architectural Flooring Resource, AFR as it's known, as my guest today in the studio on the Anti-Architect Podcast. Kathy founded AFR in 1993 as a Certified Minority Business Enterprise, MBE, and Women's Business Enterprise, WBE. AFR is a full-service national commercial flooring contractor specializing in furnishing, installing, and maintaining a wide variety of flooring products. And From my point of view, pretty much every uh, flooring product known to mankind. Since 2002, they adopted a policy of recycling all carpets as well as other materials, and today they remain the leaders in this sector. Kathy has been a trusted partner to many in the New York Tri State design community for almost 30 years. She and her team at AFR have earned their reputation as a trustworthy resource for designers, developers, and end users for all things flooring. But for as much knowledge and help she provides, Kathy and her team are probably the most fun to know in our industry. Thank her, you. <laughs> her events, parties, and you will hear whiskey, gin, honey, and other things all make for a great time. I love seeing Kathy. She always, She's always smiling and brings fun when we see her. You can't help but be happy around her and her team. Kathy, thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's a pleasure having Thank you having for you. having me. Yeah, it's absolutely. very nice to hear all those lovely things about <laughs> me. <laughs> uh, um, so normally I ask a question about architects and designers right now, but I'm going to ask a different one. So can you explain the difference between uh, whiskey, rye, and bourbon? Sure.
1: <laughs> whiskey, uh, rye whiskey is made with at least 51% rye grain, okay. bourbon is made with at least 51%
0: corn. Ah, okay. Got it. It's
1: very simple. It's the mash. It's the grain that you put in that defines, and then how long you, you keep it in barrels.
0: Now, do you have to, now isn't bourbon, doesn't that have to be, you know, done in Kentucky? Isn't that the whole thing?
1: No. No. We can make bourbon in New York state. Okay. Um, (laughs) I don't, There is some sort of a uh, regional thing, but we're making bourbon, so it must be legal, right? right? Okay, cool. And as long as we make it 51%, you can't say Kentucky bourbon or you can't say Tennessee. Got it. You have to say New York State bourbon. Got it. Okay.
0: All right. That makes sense. So we'll come back to all the bourbon okay. and whiskey and stuff in a bit. So once we kind of hear your whole story, but uh, let's talk a little bit about architects and designers. So if you had to pick one thing, what annoys you about architects and designers?
1: Oh, go on. <laughs> That's a tough one right off the bat. Um, I think I think in terms of the whole process, I think the most annoying thing um, or difficult thing to deal with is... Most architects, uh, architectural firms, they have younger people picking products. And instead of coming to us and asking us, hey, Kath, we have a raised deck, what vinyl would you l- suggest we use on this? Or... um what would you suggest we do to uh, install a wood on this raised deck, for example? Mm-hmm. They just specify things and then then there's a gazillion issues because the vinyl that they selected isn't good for raised deck, for example. So sure. they're they're picking things without consulting us, and that is, and then that causes all these issues down the road, which, your team has to deal with, and the GC has to deal with, and there are 35,000 emails. And and then the owner calls me and says, hey, Kath, what's the problem here? And I'm like, well, if somebody would have just asked me what to use on this specific situation, we could have wrapped our head around it and given you 30 choices. Yeah. And, and so the process is streamlined. I think most architects and designers uh, will hire a lighting consultant to come in and help them. Mm. But flooring, they I think they think is easy. Right. When in fact, it's very complicated and there are nuances and, and uh, repercussions to selecting the wrong product. And unfortunately, the manufacturer's rep is going to say, sure you can use that on raised deck, but they don't tell you you have to use it on. Ra- you can use it on raised deck, but you have to put a plywood subfloor right, on right. your raised deck, right? So it works
0: for them; they get the sale. So
1: correct. <laughs> There's they're too quick to say yes. Right. You can use a woven vinyl in a pantry, <laughs> right? And when in fact, I it's wouldn't dirty. necessarily tell you that. Yep. So we we find ourselves fixing problems as opposed to preventing them.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: So that's the biggest Are
0: you issue. surprised by, you know, how much you actually have to educate designers and architects, even even ones that are more experienced about flooring and what goes into it.
1: I love educating people. Okay. An educated consumer mm-hmm. is my best customer, <laughs> okay. right? You remember that commercial? Uh-huh. Because they understand and they take my guidance. And they take it seriously. I'm, I'm trying to make the we. I mean, what we do is architectural flooring resource, right? right. We guide people and help them specify performance based products, right? Not just, hey, this is a pretty brown. <laughs> um, this will go. Um, so that it, we're very specific what we like to do, and and it, so. I love when people ask me technical questions okay. and, and we can help them.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And and when you think about kind of how it works here and you guys obviously are a resource, you know, for many firms, but I know for our firm specifically, you know, we do try to consult you ahead of time and say, hey, this is what we're thinking rather than just, hey, this looks really nice. We want to use this kind of no matter what, and we're going to shove it in there and make it work kind of thing. Because that does that is a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah,
1: the older designers are actually, I don't know if it's a generational thing or maybe mm-hmm. because they know us, they're more likely to pick up the phone and say, hey, Kath, I'm looking for a walnut-looking wood that will do well in high traffic. Right. Versus the younger designer will just spend six hours (laughs) online looking for a product when in 20 minutes we could have explained why you can't use wallet in a high traffic area. (laughs) And these are five options that you can. So I think the younger generation are used to using the internet more than absolutely Uh, making a phone
0: call. Absolutely. I've I've talked about this a lot. And I've talked about this even with other guests on the podcast that the the younger generation doesn't want to pick up the phone and make that quick call, right? They'd rather do all of that research because the internet kind of has all that information somewhere in there. The problem is, is that you're not necessarily you don't know what you're finding, right? And if you call an expert, you can get that answer within within minutes, right? It's
1: not efficient, right? As efficient (laughs) as the internet can be, you you know that you've been home looking for something. You want to change the air conditioning system in your house. You could just <laughs> go into a hole and spend three hours. Exactly. Um, just, and, and it's wasteful.
0: Exactly. As
1: opposed to calling up someone you know in HVAC and saying, yep. what do you think of this?
0: My well, wife's going to kill me for saying this, but even shoes, like she orders shoes for the kids, mm-hmm. you know, because it's free returns. But all these shoes come and come and come, and then none of them fit. And I go, "Why don't you just go to the shoe store?" <laughs> I don't understand. Call me crazy. <laughs> she does say that that there are, the shoe stores don't have any inventory, so that's mm. why she does it. But um, so, uh, you know, how can we get architects and designers and contractors to better communicate with each other? Um, you know, looking at it from your sort of contractor side, rather than this kind of silly adversarial relationship that that we kind of have.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, I, at this point in my career, I don't want adversarial (laughs) relationships. I want, I know it's a luxury. It's not that I don't have to deal with (laughs) adversarial people, but, um, I prefer to work with people who I, if I call you up. And I say, hey, Christian. You know, this is a bad spec. Um, you're going to listen to me, and you're going to th- know that I'm not saying this because I want to sell you something else right. or I want to make more money. Or you're going to say, oh, if Kathy said this, you should pay attention to it. Yep. Um, and I think what happens is there is there is uh, skepticism when there are no relationships, Mm. right? So if someone is trying to switch a spec quite often, it's because they're trying to make more money, you know, like in our industry, we don't have a good reputation in general. Um, So I think communicating and being, and and just being honest with people and experience, you know, people who are honest and, and tell you the truth. Yeah. And while we can't always work with them, you can always consult with them, right? Exactly. And you can make sure that you're getting the right information. Um, that happens to me all the time. I get called all the time. And and listen, you didn't get the job, Kath, but can you come look at this? <laughs> Something's desperately right. wrong. <laughs> right. And then and then I say, well, you saved money. <laughs> you should have bought aspirin.
0: That's right. That's right. Right? Exactly. Because
1: cause there's... They were, there's a reason they were less yep. and, and they don't follow the directions. We're nerds. We <laughs> follow the rules, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so our audience would love to get to know you a little bit better. Um, you know, where'd you grow up? What did your parents do? And tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: So I grew up in, um, in East Elmhurst, Queens. Okay. It was Jackson Heights, and somehow they they got
0: renamed. renamed. <laughs> they got renamed.
1: They moved the zip codes, whatever. But um, my parents are both immigrants from Argentina. Hmm. Spanish was my first language, hmm. because I was born six years, seven years after they got here. So obviously, if you moved to Croatia tomorrow, you'd be in seven years. You'd still be speaking English in yeah, your house, right? Absolutely. So I was born. Spanish was my first language. Um, grew up in, in East Elmhurst in a, um, one of those tutors that are attached oh, cool. homes that are, uh, sunken living room fireplace. I thought we were like, I thought we were rich. <laughs> I really did. Good. Um, good. Exactly. <laughs> and, um, and both of my parents, we weren't rich. My father worked for the city he was an auditor for the city and my mother was an export clerk and she handled south america for a dye company they sold colorants okay and so we went to i went to public school english as a second language wasn't popular then just to give you an idea my sister was left back three times oh wow because she didn't speak english oh wow there was no english as a second language yeah,
0: there was language. no way
1: of teaching <laughs> so my parents forced us to speak english okay um, they still speak Spanish in the house, by the way, <laughs> but we had to respond in English. Okay. Um, and I went to public school. I went to the only agricultural high school there is in the tri- in in the New York City region, okay. uh, in, um, John Bound High School
0: in Flushing, Queens. So what is an agricultural high school?
1: An ag high school is basically... I would have two extra courses a day. So I had two extra periods a day. Okay. Which is, so it's a 90 minute longer day than all the other students. And we took two classes a day of agriculture. So it was anything from small engine repair to um, dairy cattle management horticulture. Um, And this was in Queens? This was in Queens, it's still (laughs) there. And there was a land lab, which was a farm. So you had to grow freshmen between freshman and sophomore year. You had a 10 by ten plot and had to grow vegetables and okay and you had to take care of chickens that were on the land lab. This is right. It's between Queen's College and Main Street. There's the high school is right there. Okay. And so I, I loved agriculture from the get-go. I don't okay. know why and and um, I worked on a dairy farm for two summers because that was a requirement. Uh, for the high school and I actually went to Cornell from there uh, as a pre-vet because I thought I wanted to be a vet but so does 99% of every other you know every other
0: kid wants to be yeah my my my, one of my daughters wants to be a vet right now
1: yeah so (laughs) so but I I, that passion changed when I was in school and
0: okay so now so uh, that so you want to be a vet growing up. So we always, I always joke with like my furniture friends, right, that mm-hmm. they always say because they, they love to kind of pull other furniture people. No, no one in furniture, you know, <laughs> when they were growing up, thought to themselves, yeah, I really want to sell corporate office furniture, right? Yet it's a great career. It's a very lucrative career. You can, you know, you meet a lot of wonderful people in, the, in our industry. So, you know, what kind of made you, how did you get into flooring?
1: <laughs> so, I went to Cornell and I studied business. and I graduated well, you know, they had companies come to ca- to campus and and interview us. Uh, you had to do there was a whole lottery system to to uh, you had to bid on who you would be interviewed. It was a whole process, and I was interviewed by Armstrong World Industries. Oh, interesting. In their flooring division. And I was uh, hired as a marketing rep out of college. Okay. I had four days off, and I went right to a four-month training course in Lancaster, PA. Okay. I lived there for four months, and they <laughs> trained you. You, We basically worked and just learned flooring, learned flooring. Okay. and um, And then... I came to New York as a marketing rep, worked for them for a few years. And then I went to go work for our dealer, one of our dealer partners. Okay. So that's how I got into the flooring business. Okay. Um, and then if after that, I started my own business. I was 28 years old when I incorporated.
0: Yeah. So that's incredible. So. When you think about it, that that was I think I looked up the the years. It was twenty. It was a oh, long I, time ago. A, is, twenty eight. 28 years and six months ago, you, <laughs> you started your company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Afr. So, you know, did you always want to have your own company? How did that come about? You know, I, it's very entrepreneurial, and to know that at that time.
1: Yeah, I was. You know, it's it's funny when I was in in college. There was posters, run your own business for the summer. You can make a ton of money, blah, blah, blah. And I was definitely <laughs> motivated by doing that. Okay. And it was something called College Pro Painters. So they taught you how to estimate painting jobs. Okay. So I went from Ithaca to Rochester, like three weekends in a row, have intensive courses on, on learning how to estimate painting. And then they do a blitz of uh, mailers. And I was going around. I was knocking on people's door even and saying, "It looks like you need a paint job. I'm with College Pro Painters. Want to want an estimate?" And I did that and 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 I before the summer started, I probably had 3 or 4 houses signed up. I remember <laughs> that because I got a sweatshirt cuz they were giving sweatshirts if you had if you signed up uh So you houses. were selling
0: the painting jobs.
1: I was selling painting jobs and okay. I and and I got ladders and I went to a boat yard and I got, um, I got old tarps and my father gave me his, I had a little Pinto at the time. And he said, you could take the station wagon for the summer. So I ran it out of my father's station wagon in my apartment and I ran a painting business and about, and they taught us, right. And mm-hmm. I followed the rules, always follow the <laughs> rules. And, and about, Two weeks into it, I was it was I think my first nervous breakdown in my life, like I was just like, oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> this is so big. This is so big. And I had no choice. There was no out. I had signed people on, like I had to get the crews there, I had to get the ladders there, I had to get the paint there, right? I was like overwhelmed. But by six weeks in, I was like, I got this. Nice. I got this. It's hard. Yeah. But I got this. It yeah. works. And and so I made $10,000 that summer.
0: Oh, wow. Which was a
1: tremendous sure. amount of money back then. <laughs> I was able to buy a waterbed <laughs> and a stereo. <laughs> That's what my priorities were. That's funny. Right? And, um, and so I did that. So I was always entrepreneurial. Okay. I just always and and then and then i went to go work for armstrong went to work for a dealer and i'm just i want things done well i don't want to compromise i don't the dealer i worked for uh, the the gentleman who taught me the business was so he was very insightful and he was a great businessman and his son who took over the business not so much okay so i i couldn't stay there
0: okay Got so
1: it. i had no I was like, I could always go work. I knew I could always get a job right? because I could sell. So I said, why not?
0: Start your own gig. <laughs> I
1: ate a lot of pizza.
0: <laughs> so, but you, you're, you know, even the name of your company, right? The, the idea at 28 years old, as you said, mm-hmm. right? You're, it's a sophisticated idea that you were going to be a resource for the industry. What, What kind of made you go down that road that you weren't going to be just some you know, a place that sells carpet or sells flooring or sells whatever, right? You were going to actually be the go-to place for a knowledge center, Mm -hmm. right? And what, what, what made you think that through?
1: Well, again, the industry was very different. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's say Bentley Mills right now has four reps, five reps in New York interface has six or seven, (laughs) right? Um, If you go down the line, it, the the companies, the flooring companies, have multiple reps. Back then, they maybe had one rep. Okay. They had one rep, and there wasn't enough professional wrap-your-head-around-the-situation advice. Every, let's face it, a mill rep has a quota. Mm-hmm. And I was working on the, I want to say it wasn't Chet Blue. It was another, it was at LaGuardia. And I went to work with, I went to see an architect and he says, oh, I'm using this at the lo, at the terminal. What do you think? And I said, well, it's a beautiful carpet, but I turned around and there's, <laughs> there's only 12 stitches per inch. You need something that's at least 18. And There's too much face weight here because it's going to crush. Like, Mm -hmm. so the mill reps are just taught sell, sell, sell. Whereas I was like wrapping my head around the situation, and the mill rep could have at the time could have said the same thing. Sure, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to change the manufacturer. I was trying to change this and beef up the spec for performance. Right. So, um, I, I saw that there was a gap that people weren't getting enough valuable information to make performance-based specs.
0: Right. Right. Not specific product. Not, not pretty. Right.
1: I can give you the blue you want. I could give you the gray you want. Right. But if it's not going to perform, I can't stand behind it. Mm-hmm. And so there was a gap, and now there's more information.
0: Yeah, I could see that, and the products have changed over time, right? And they've gotten better. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the compa- even even in the wood or the carpet side, a lot of them the manufacturers make very similar products. Correct. So you can do a true performance spec and not you know vary too much ultimately in the end.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think in the carpet tile segment. Most of the manufacturers that we have the luxury of working with, which are the top tier, Mm -hmm. they all make very, very high performance product. It's more in the um, vinyl area and the wood area that I think there's uh, a huge, huge uh, variation in the quality that's available. And and unfortunately, most architects or designers don't have that information.
0: Sure. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. So, what were what were some of the early challenges when you started your business?
1: Um, oh my God! <laughs> some. I mean, there was just so many. Um, being a woman, right? Okay. Yeah. T- being taken seriously as yeah. as. I'm 28 years old, 29. (laughs) Let's say I'm 29 when I actually start the business. I look at 29-year-olds today and I'm like, I would never hand her a check. (laughs) Right? Right. I would never hand this person a $72,000 check. (laughs) Um, I remember when I first got a $72,000 deposit, I was like, they were actually giving me this huge, you know, check. Right. So, um... I was so I had my I had many clients when I started my own business but convincing GCs that I knew what I was doing and people in the industry cuz let's face it there's no other woman flooring contractor it's all men. <laughs> right. And at the time when I started they were also mostly third generation companies sure. that owned New York. Yeah. In terms of the flooring so that was a challenging aspect,
0: but you're a disruptor before it was a thing. But
1: doing it, <laughs> but doing it, yep. right? Um, and um, just finding the right people. I was very fortunate. I was able to hire two people that worked with me beforehand. Okay, but but finding the right people and and getting installers to to listen. Don't, you know, because they were like mansplaining, <laughs> mansplaining. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing it this way because uh, <laughs> no, 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 that's not the right way. And then they catch you knowing what you're talking about. It's like the face, uh, The they actually make a face like, oh, my God, <laughs> I just got busted. So, they, but those challenges, like, I don't see those anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I would go to job site meetings and I would be the only woman and they would say, let's get this little lady, although flooring is supposed to go last at the job site meeting date. Let's get this little lady out of here so we can all focus. <laughs> I mean, honestly, oh could you imagine like today?
0: <laughs> no. Someone
1: saying that today. But I was I was thrilled because I was like out of there. <laughs> Get
0: out of there, yeah.
1: Right, but there were, and then I remember doing work for the UN and and finally seeing a woman, furniture rep. Okay. At the meeting and and now it's.
0: Yeah, I mean now I, I would say you know at least fifty percent, if not more, are the the project managers are women. Right. Uh, you know, it's just right. it It. I don't. I'm sure it's still a thing, and I know I've talked to some people even on this podcast where it is a thing, but it's much, much less to, to where where it, where it was. I mean, it's gone completely differently at this point. Yeah,
1: and after being in the business for so long, now people know who we yeah, are. If you don't know who we are, you're living yeah, under a rock. Exactly.
0: Right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, one of my other questions: is what what's changed in the profession over the last 30 years? So we covered some of that, but what about even just the the products and and uh, just general. New York construction?
1: Well, it's gotten more complicated, way more complicated. When I started, I'd give you a proposal for 50 yards of carpet, blah, blah, blah. Let's say it was $25,000. You'd sign it. I'd order the materials, get a deposit. And there were maybe three pieces of paper exchanged. (laughs) Right. For every job now, I think we counted it. Recently, and it was like thirty eight pieces of paper,
0: yeah
1: have to so it's you need a lot more admin, yeah, because you need the insurance requirements and all that right
0: yeah.
1: it's it's way more complicated um while people are uh there are a lot more reps on the street, so that i I don't know. I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. but it's all a function of the right information being decimate, you know, yeah. uh, given to the clients. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. How, how has COVID affected your, your business?
1: Well, we have like everyone pivoted so damn fast, right? Right. Right. We had to pivot. Yep. We had to be like, whoa, Um, in, in what, two weeks, we were all working from home.
0: Yep. Right. Absolutely.
1: Successfully. Yeah. We can do difficult things (laughs) when forced to, right? We just do it. Um, it's affected our business. Uh, we were talking about moving. Now we're talking about thinking about staying in our space because we really don't need double the space.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We are, we are, um, we're doing work remotely. We have pe- it's it's affected our business. Obviously, sales were affected. There were three months where we weren't even on job sites, yeah. right? But it's coming back. I'm I'm hopeful. You know, something like Material Bank was very popular mm-hmm. during COVID. Sure, which so architects and designers count on us a lot for sampling and when COVID was over, I actually reached out to people and said, said specifically, please call us for samples because if you keep on going through material bank one day, we won't be here. Right. Like you have to, you know how everybody's talking shop local. Yeah. You have to support your local vendors because while material bank might solve a, 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 a problem short term Yep. when you need someone to come look at a project to come do there's you're not going to have those people whether it's flooring or yeah anything
0: yeah material bank basically sends you the sample kind of anything you want but again you're there to coach you through the actual material and what it does and how and, it's going to perform right
1: and if it's compatible right. with all the other finishes you want to use how you can use it it's a sampling source but there's so much more to a successful specification on a project yeah. right yep. like the the compatibility of products the transitions the uh the quality yep so that's where we get involved
0: so along the same lines of covid you know you're you're a real new yorker you've been here your whole life um and i you know your institution in New York, for sure. You know, if we were to fast forward a few years and COVID is over, I mean, I would have, you know, if you told me this six months ago, I would told you now that would have been now. But Mm -hmm. let's assume in a few years it's over because I think it's going to linger for a little while. Um, What does does New York City recover and go back to the way it was? Um, Sort of that Almost Disneyland-like atmosphere, or are we back to sort of the more grunge New York City? Um, and 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 how do you kind of see it playing out?
1: I have <laughs> the most
0: faith. Okay.
1: In New York, there's no doubt. I, I, I and I could be totally wrong because <laughs> we'll we'll know in a year from now, two years, three years, right? Yeah. But I I can't. And and I've had this conversation with people like New York I believe could really use an influx of young creative risk takers. Yeah. And what left New York during COVID? Older established people who were like, "I'm not risking anything anymore. I've got to go, be safe." Right. I have right? two other
0: houses. I'm going go to go. I've yep. got
1: two other houses. I'm taking my kids. I'm enrolling them in that school. And yep. So rents went down for a nanosecond. <laughs> but but I but I I can only imagine that the people, the young people who have been living nearby or in Ohio or whatever, said, "Finally, we can afford." To live there, why don't we go there? And and the influx of young blood is di- is is critical to New York staying fresh. Yeah. I mean, when you go to a restaurant and you, and every entree is forty two dollars, <laughs> I mean, that's not going to attract young, fresh people because they're you know they're creative types and they're yeah. So, so I think it's a good thing, and I think New York will come back.
0: I love it. I've yeah. been
1: here long enough. I've seen, the come seen it come back a few up and times. Down. Yeah, me right. too. Yep, exactly. So it's like saying, is London going to go? Right. Or, or Barcelona? Like,
0: Yeah, I, I just get frustrated when I see, you know, on the news that, you know, people kind of write it off. And, you know, the reality of New York and what it is, even right now, yes, it's not as bustling as it was before, but it is nowhere near what they, you know, what, what it's uh, portrayed on the news. And it always just pisses me off that, yeah. you know, it's, hey, it's New York. It's fine. You know, and there's nothing wrong here. So I don't know. It's, uh, we'll, we'll see. So, so tell us, a little bit about your other businesses and your your hobby and claire um you know with catskill provisions um did it all really start with a gift uh with a beehive as a gift
1: it did okay so so tell us about this it did it started with um i of course you know we have this house in in uh long Eddy, new york Mm -hmm. which is in the middle of nowhere in new york it's (laughs) it's a beautiful beautiful place and um i wanted to do something i wanted to have something but like a horse you can't have a horse and leave it during the week <laughs> you know you can't have animals we had chickens and but you, i was looking for something else and um claire dressed up as a bee and gave me a beehive for christmas okay and we got a We got a uh, a nuke of bees, um, a package, and we read the books and (laughs) just just did it. Okay. And um, but Claire really loved it more than I did. She just it's it's total when you're you're in a suit and the bees are all around. It is really. So it's that level of
0: of. Of beekeeping. It's not oh. just like a sleeve of bees. <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. You're you're just being surrounded by bees. It is like I sort of I sort of equate it to snorkeling because you're in their world. You okay. know, when you snorkel, isn't it fascinating? You're in their world. Yeah. You're in the bees' world when you beekeep, and you can't think of anything else. Okay. You are just like overwhelmed by the intensity. And so Clara got into it and then we started selling honey because we have to turn everything into a business. <laughs> so we started selling honey and now she's selling honey commercially to probably 300 restaurants in New York. Yeah. I mean it went from "What? let's get a beehive to and big time restaurants. And big time restaurants, yeah, yeah, really. Like and and, we, and restaurants. we sell it yeah. through through our uh, food distributor. Okay. We don't we don't take it ourselves anymore. Claire was delivering five gallon buckets to <laughs>
0: restaurants when we started. So you were producing that much honey that you decided, hey, let me start yep. a business
1: out of this. Yeah, okay. and so she's got the wholesale business, and then we have. Um, then she decided to mix some honey with whiskey. Okay. And she subbed it out for a few years and then was like, if we're going to grow this, if we're going to do this, we need to build a distillery. And I was like, all right, (laughs) all right. So we have big
0: lives (laughs) on the property. You built a distillery. So
1: my father built a barn for me when I bought the property upstate. He built a barn. He was an accountant and but he was a jack of all trades. And I was like, poppy. I need a barn. What do you think? He was like, "What style?" Okay. He read about it. He's one of those men who can read something and learn how to do it. Okay. And he built a beautiful barn. And um and that's where the that's where the distillery is and we make <laughs> award-winning four out of our five products are award-winning spirits. We have three double goals. And Which means 50 out of the 50 judges picked them, okay. picked our product, and we have won bronze at the San Francisco Spirits competition, which is the Olympics okay. in the spirits world. Okay. And Claire wouldn't submit our products because someone had told her it was the Olympics of the spirits world, and she was hesitant to do so. She submitted the rye, and the first time she submitted it, she won double gold. This wow. year, the bourbon and our um, pollinator gin won double gold.
0: Wow. But how do you go from the honey to building a barn to learning about how to have a distillery and then turning it into a business and keeping a flooring business going?
1: Well, how I do it is I don't do it. Claire doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't want to take credit. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm part of the business, clearly. hmm. And we bounce things off each other, but, um, but it's, that's, that's an independent business. She runs that. Okay. I mean, she's, I'm not going to take any credit for that. Like, yeah, I have good ideas. There's no (laughs) doubt about it, but just like she gives me great ideas for the flooring business, right. We're both, she's, she was the publisher of the second largest magazine in the country. So she has skills sure that are beyond i mean she also take takes apart the still and puts it back together wow i can never do that Not you see that's bad i she took that on yeah i choose (laughs) not to do that but holy cannoli that's a big task yeah she did it because she had to we do tough things i tell her all the time
0: yeah, and I but I love your whole product line. The idea that honey is infused in everything from the pancake mix mm. to the truffles to to everything, right? Yeah, it's it's such a, and and it is. You know, I see it in Whole Foods all the time. I'm always so proud when I see it. Mm-hmm. I have so much of it, though. I, I, I I'm like I should buy some more.
1: <laughs> no, I get pictures of uh, pictures of our products. Oh, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm at the airport. Look, I'm here, and it's so cute.
0: It's exciting to see it. Yeah, I get I get. Oh, I have. i like, look, I I know the person who does this stuff you know, yeah so.
1: yeah it's really cute i get photographs from everyone all over the place
0: that's great so so between the flooring and and everything what are you what are you most proud of these days most proud of hmm
1: <laughs> um i'm really proud that we are still here okay post COVID.
0: yep us too
1: <laughs> that's that's a that's an accomplishment
0: yeah
1: um I'm proud that we were able to pivot and learn how to function in the new reality. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it yeah. like we're doing it. We should be very proud I agree. that we didn't just say, that's it. I'm out. Yep. Because this is tough. Getting through this is tough. Not knowing what's coming and, 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 and going forward yep. in spite of it is tough. Yeah and and i'm proud of that and 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 all my businesses
0: that's wonderful yeah i agree it's uh you know i think as opposed to other let's let's call them recessions right you it was never this total unknown at the other end right and you're Correct. right i think a lot of companies us you and many others um, have pivoted to ultimately i think are going to be you know even stronger and and better equipped and and do great things as a result of this, right? Correct. Whether it was our own doing or we were forced into it, you know, we we made those changes that are that are important. So and I it's mean, a different-
1: telemedicine, right? Yeah. Now, it, it just took us like woof, twenty years.
0: I know, just jumped ahead. And
1: so. We could do it
0: <laughs> so if you uh, bringing it all back around, if you had to do it differently as far as your career, uh, what might you have changed?
1: Oh, that's so hard that's hard. <laughs> you know I, I don't um, I, I I don't know if I would have changed anything because every year I experience... I learn um I'm I'm you know technically close to retirement right um and so you're thinking about what should I have done differently I'm just I I'm just so excited about what we do yeah that I'm not so much a shoulda coulda woulda <laughs> I'm more of a that didn't work <laughs> let's change that right. right away I don't harp on it you know we 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 get bad news a lot in what we do right we're like you're, you're wishing you get this project you're wishing you get this project you do a lot of work on it and you wrap your head around it and you think you've got a good chance and then you know Wah, 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 <laughs> Last you know, minute, right? Yep. And and so, do I think it, it affects me? Yeah. I, I don't like it. I hate losing.
0: Mm-hmm. To be
1: perfectly honest, <laughs> but I don't dwell on it. We move forward. Yeah, absolutely. We move forward, and we try to debrief why we lost it and why we got the bad news. What you know? Yep. Um, but. I'm not much of a shoulda, coulda, woulda because you gotta keep on. I love it. Keep on. Yep. Trucking.
0: I love it. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being my guest here on the Anti Architect Podcast. Thank you for sharing your whole thank story. Thank It's very, um, very kind of you to to be interested. <laughs> absolutely, it's very thoughtful, I'm and I, I just I'm always so impressed by everything you've accomplished, and and you've been obviously a resource for us here um but for, for all of uh the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area which is Thank uh, you. which is awesome you're a, Thank you're a superstar you in our industry so um to see and read more about Kathy and architectural res- architectural flooring resources, obviously, you can check out their website at www.afrny.com. You can look for Kathy on, on LinkedIn. And then for Catskills Provisions, they have a website um, where you can read all about their award-winning everything. Um, and Claire, as well, on there. I was reading a lot of stuff about her. Fascinating. Uh, which is catskillprovisions.com. Or you can also uh, look at them on Instagram, which is Catskills Provisions New York or at Catskills Provisions New York. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much.